Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 20. Today, I am coaching Portland-based food blogger Robin Downs as we talk all about her business, where she's headed, and how to punch fear in the face. To enter to be coached on the Gold Digger Podcast, just go to bit.ly slash gdpcoaching for info on how to apply or head to today's show notes at golddiggerpodcast.com. Now, here's your show. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop-style business podcast for creative girl bosses, so you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work, and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. This episode of the Gold Digger Podcast is sponsored by HoneyBook. HoneyBook is the management software that I use to stay organized, manage invoices, get paid, and give every client an elevated, unforgettable experience. HoneyBook is offering 20% off exclusively for Gold Digger listeners. Just go to honeybook.com slash gold digger to get started and get your life back today. Hey, Gold Diggers, it's Jenna Kutcher, and today I am so excited to have our second coaching interview with the incredible Robin Conley Downs. Robin is based in Portland, Oregon. She's a mama, and she founded Real Food Whole Life three years ago, and I'll get a chance to tell you a little bit more about that, but I would rather hear it from her, so hello, Robin. Hi, Jenna. Hi, and I'm just so excited. This is our second coaching session on the Gold Digger podcast, and I'm really excited to just talk through your entrepreneurial journey and where you're at and hopefully where you want to go. So can you fill us all in on who you are and what you're doing? And then we will dive in to the actual coaching talk. Absolutely. So Jenna, I'm so excited to be chatting with you. I'm just such a fan, <laughs> total fan girl. But I, you know, I think all of us in this community just appreciate you so much. So thank you for all that you do. I, like you said, I'm Robin. I am a mama to an almost five-year-old. Actually, by the time this goes live, she might be five, which is kind of crazy. I'm a wife. I live in Portland, as you mentioned, and I have a full-time job. And then I also run Real Food Whole Life, which is 
a site designed to inspire and simplify real food and whole living. So without going too far back, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I had at that time I was working 60 hour a week job and then I was in a full-time doctoral program. And I was definitely the kind of person who I just kept taking things on and never kind of stopping to decide if that, you know, at what point too much is too much. And so I just kept powering through, through my pregnancy and I gained a lot of weight through my pregnancy and just wasn't living the healthiest lifestyle that I could. And then when she was born, I tried to adjust to being a mom and then going back to work and balancing all of those things. And it didn't take long, not surprisingly, to just feel completely overwhelmed and lost and like I wasn't myself anymore. And I knew I needed to make a lot of changes. So I ended up leaving that job and quitting my doctoral program, which was really challenging. I've never quit anything in my life, but mm-hmm. I need I knew I needed to do that for myself and I needed to do it for my family. And so I was able to find a job that was more flexible so I could pick my daughter up like at a reasonable hour. And I just sort of found myself again and spent a lot of time figuring out how to eat better and how to, you know, fit working out, moving into every day. And it's challenging as a, you know, all of our busy lives figuring out how to do that. So after a while, I felt so compelled to share what I had learned because I know there's so many other women out there in the same boat who want to, you know, eat well, live well, but they have the context of their real life and they want to eat delicious food and they don't want to give up anything. And so I started the blog not knowing at all what I was doing. I had no idea what I was getting into. I still joke, like if I had known, I don't know if I would have done it. <laughs> I think I'm a so, lot of us yeah. can say that. <laughs> right? But isn't it good that we don't know? Yes. <laughs> because then we yes. don't stop ourselves. <laughs> totally. So the first year I kind of just was just a steep learning curve of WordPress. I'm not a technical person. So all that analytics, it was so crazy. And I didn't have a lot of confidence with what I was doing. I had a lot of confidence in the mission and what I wanted to share with other people. But the actual brand and business, all of that, I didn't have a lot of confidence with. So that first year was really like that steep learning curve. And I was sharing other people's recipes. I wasn't sharing my own. And I was kind of experimenting with different social platforms, but not really knowing what to do. And then the second year, I sort of started pushing past those fears and started posting original recipes. I hadn't posted recipes. And I'm sure most of your listeners are not food bloggers, but I think it's relatable, right? Where you, mm-hmm. it's like, you don't even know what you're really you're good like at. behind other people's content because yes. you're not yeah. sure that yours is worthy quite yet. Exactly. And I thought my recipes were too easy. That's why I never posted them. It's like, oh, well, this is so easy. Why would anyone want that? And then in the end, that's what really has drawn people to me, <laughs> that they're really easy. Yeah. And learning how to take photos and sharing weekly meal plans, trying to understand my audience, embracing Instagram to connect with people, and then trying to still find balance with all my own life. And then this last year kind of to get us to where we are today. I've been posting twice a week really consistently. I moved my meal. I used to do meal plans on the blog and now the meal plans are my own recipes and I move them onto a weekly email list. I've been building my list and I started thinking of myself as an entrepreneur and actually launched my first product in December and then still kind of that struggle with how to balance it all. So, you know, it's kind of taking this baby step into entrepreneurial lifestyle and seeing like, is this for me? Can I even do this? And how do I figure it all out? 
totally. That's amazing. First off. And in three years, like your site is beautiful guys. It's real food, whole life. Like go check it out. It's stunning. And the design is really clean and fresh and editorial almost in a sense. But what an amazing, first off, just pat yourself on the back. Like three years in, you've done a lot while having a full-time job and being a mom. Like all of those jobs alone are hard, but when you put them all together, I'm sure it can feel impossible at times. What has been like the hardest part for you? Or I guess, you know, kind of entering a newer year and like, you know, we're still kind of amped up and excited. Like what is it that you hope to get out of this year first? I was like, am I going to say these out loud? (laughs) (laughs) Please do. Because it's been so safe to just say them in my head. But I think one of the things I'm really excited about for this year is to expand the brand beyond recipes Mm -hmm. and which is kind of scary because recipes is a really safe place to be. And it's something that's working really well for me. And it's not something I want to stop, but it's just kind of saying, okay, let's look at what else is possible. So what would that look like for you? What kind of things do you like feel pulled to expand to? I'd really love to start writing more story-based posts that Mm -hmm. talk about whole living embracing fear and perfectionism and kind of ways to indulge, indulge in healthy in real life Mm -hmm. and through personal stories and then other people's stories. Because I think that, you know, one of the reasons when I first reached out to you was, and one of the things I love so much about what you share so often, you kind of practice what you preach and what you actually share about storytelling. And it can be so scary to do. And it's so much safer you know, for me, when I post something on Instagram or on the blog to just be like, here's this beautiful recipe, you know, (laughs) it has no gluten in it and check out the blog, (laughs) you know, and that's good, but it doesn't say anything about who I am and it doesn't speak to people where they are. And I know that I can do more, it's sort of like just taking that next step. So what are you most afraid of with that? Just putting yourself out there? Yeah, I think it's two things. I think that's such a good question. Yes, I like to do things the right way. (laughs) There's no right way to do this. And I think it, yeah, I just, I got good at efficient, actually is the better word, Mm -hmm. at posting recipes. So I, like you were saying about how do you fit it into a schedule? It's like, I'm really efficient at that so I can make sure it really works. But like some of this other newer stuff takes a little more time and a little more reflection. And just think of all that you've done in the last three years. Like you didn't start with a workflow, you know, I think that especially even I learned this so much when launching the podcast is I found myself doing everything but the work. Like Mm -hmm. I found myself like designing the website and making pretty graphics and thinking about the intro. And it was like, Jenna, just sit down and record. Like this is the work you need to be doing. And I think that, you know, we've all seen those like catchy little Pinterest quotes, like, you know, big things happen outside of your comfort zones and blah, 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 whatever. But the truth is, is I think that the things that we're most afraid to do are the things that we are most called to do. And it's those things, you know, that desire that just keeps dropping in us and makes us feel guilty because we're like, gosh, I haven't done that quite yet. (laughs) I think that we have to start listening to those feelings and just sit down and do it. And I think too, 
you know, I teach this across all of my courses. So if anyone has ever taken one of my courses, I teach so much about the importance of people connecting to you as a person because they appreciate your work on a whole nother level. And so it's so easy, like you said, and so safe to hide behind our products or our services or your recipes, for instance. And we get really comfortable, you know, like it's a comfortable, safe spot. Like nobody's going to say anything negative about a recipe or, you know, I mean, unless they're crazy. Right. Or people aren't going to call you out on your garbage if you're posting, you know, a chocolate brownie that's healthy or something. (laughs) Uh, But what I found is like, if we truly want to connect with people and if we want people to feel connected to us in our work, that is where the power comes. And I think you know that. And I think you identify with that because obviously if my brand resonates with you, there's something there, but it's also totally terrifying at first, right? (laughs) Oh yeah. You hit the nail right on the head. Like I'm totally nodding along with you that, like you said, that guilt about not doing it because I know that it's what I need to do and just like doing everything to avoid it. (laughs) And it's so funny, like this year, I, one of my biggest goals is to get back in tune with like my intuition. Mm -hmm. I think that the world is just so loud and so noisy. And we, especially now these days, like we're following so many other people in our industries And we assume that everyone else is doing the same. And so what our reality looks like versus what maybe our consumer or our reader's reality looks like are totally different. And so while we're over here comparing ourselves to these like insane, incredible, talented, fantastic people, the people that are following us, we're likely one in a million to them, you know, like we are their go-to source. (laughs) And so it's so funny because... The things that are holding us back, I think that a lot of times we just crank up the world noise so that we don't have to listen to that gut noise that we have. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we've just shut that off. And so to me, it sounds like you have a very clear idea. It's almost like you're waiting for permission or, you know, just assurance that it will be accepted. And if you are, I'm giving that to you right now. (laughs) It will be and it will be so well received. And you're going to find so much more value in the connections that you're making with people because it's going to be over things bigger than just food. Right. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. So thank you for the permission and (laughs) just start talking through this. You know, another thing, it's really interesting, like being in the health and wellness space. um, And if I look at, like you said, like looking at what other people are doing, like Mm -hmm. I'm not a super thin well, first of all, I'm not super, super thin. And I've also really struggled with my weight on and off all the time, pretty much. Yep. You know, like, I know that other women will can relate to that, but kind of showing the vulnerability in the health and wellness spaces in particular is pretty scary to me. But also, mm-hmm. I'm so I am committed to doing it. Because mm-hmm. I think that the more that you can see that no matter who it is, no matter how much you think they have it together, they're basically just kind of winging it too. That can be so powerful. Oh, even so a few days ago, I met this amazing girl, Amanda Bucci, and she is a fitness personality, I guess you would say. And we became really quick friends. And I told her, I said, Amanda, I really want to photograph you. No retouching, no posing, no makeup. And she was like all on board, which I was shocked, you know, just because these people are like ripped and toned and they're doing all these crazy things. And she was like, you know, I'm at my heaviest weight right now, but I think people need to see that. 
And it was her most liked photo she's ever had. It had almost 25,000 likes. And it was, and I think for her, it was so freeing because, you know, she wasn't posting photos of herself now in the sense of like what her body looks like right now, because it's not what it was, you know, when she was bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, and people just said like, I respect you so much for this. Like, this is so encouraging. This is so inspirational. And it's like, I could have told her that, but I think that that, you know, again, that fear is the thing that needs to drive us sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I hate putting fear in the driver's seat (laughs) because that means that we're doing really big, important things. (laughs) but they're usually the best things that we do. And let me tell you this honestly, that I would hire somebody like you who has struggled and found solutions at work and are working towards solutions every day over somebody who has it naturally come or someone that you know doesn't understand what it's like to go through that struggle. So I hope that that's affirming because that would be something that I would look at as a fellow female who has struggled with body image and weight myself. Well, that's a really good point. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Thank you. And I think too, like your clients will relate to you more. Like if, have you ever considered doing like one-on-one coaching or is that a direction you plan to go? Or are you trying to stay more in the blog space? I'd love to go that direction. Like my background's actually in teaching and um, coaching, like yeah. I used to coach basketball, actually, women's <laughs> basketball, but I was a college teacher for a long time, and it's just something that I've always loved doing, and that part of this, you know, doing it together in partnership with people really mm-hmm. resonates with me, yeah. um, and it's one of those big, scary things, too, where I'm like, oh, could I do that? Would that work? Like, how would that work? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is something that I have, like, started thinking about. Well, and it's funny because so my husband, Drew, is doing something similar. Right. And it's been so awesome to watch it all evolve and to watch him systematize things and create processes and how he's working with his clients. And it was so cute because we were packing up today and he had out these little envelopes with all of his girls' names on them. He's coaching all female entrepreneurs, uh, which is awesome. And um, he's sending them these little packages before we left. And it was just really cool to see his confidence level grow as well. And I think that, and I teach us a lot too, is so many of us are like, who am I to do this? Like there's so many other people out there doing it. It's been done or, you know, it's been done better than I could do it. Or, you know, people will just go to them. Why would they come to me? But it's just such a reminder that we all just have this unique voice and this unique gift and this unique experience. And people are going to choose the right fit for them. And so it's getting comfortable with that notion and understanding that you're not going to be the right fit for everyone. But like, what if you're the right fit for five people? And what if those five people could inspire five more people? And it's just that domino effect that changes the world. And so I think that you, of all people, would have like an incredible career helping women and men navigate that, especially like through pregnancy and post-pregnancy and that kind of stuff. Like as a female, I'm like terrified that I'm going to only want to eat pizza rolls and mac and cheese. (laughs) Like, what do you do? You know? (laughs) So I love that so much. No, that's really beautiful advice. I hope you start getting the wheels turning on that idea. So let's talk a little bit because I know a lot of people that listen 
are not full-time with their passions. And so I first want to ask you this question and I, I want for you to answer as candidly as possible, but do you feel less than because you're not full-time? That's a really good question. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think at first, the first few years, it gave me an excuse not to do a lot, some of the things that I probably could have done. So yeah. Like what, for example, what's popping into your head? Well, just, I guess like moving, for example, I did launch this digital product in December, but I probably could have done it sooner but I sort of almost used the fact that it wasn't full-time as like, oh, well, this is just the side thing that I'm doing, like not giving it the full credit that it deserved. And so now as I'm kind of really kind of going full steam ahead on both on my day job and on the blog, I don't know if I feel less than, but I think I'm, I, what I'm, my big fear is about like, if I keep devoting more and more time to it or committing whatever it is that I can commit to it, that I will kind of my, it will take over my life to the extent that I won't be able to give to myself and my family the way I need to. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that that's actually grounded in reality, but Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I think for me, it's more about like the fear about what it could be versus not, you know, feeling like I'm not good enough because it's not full time yet. It's so interesting. I had a really good friend who's a photographer and she was almost more afraid of success. I think that's what, when I say it out loud, I'm totally like, wow, that's interesting. (laughs) Like you're almost planning for it to like blow up and you to like disintegrate, like blow up in a good way, like, like get crazy. And then all of a sudden you're overwhelmed. Yes. But if you're not even taking any steps to going that direction, you know? Right. And like you going to Hawaii next month, I actually have been like, Keeping that my, or I guess that's tomorrow, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, We are leaving very soon. (laughs) I don't have to do it the way other people do it. So Mm -hmm. I I mean, theoretically, I know that, but it definitely, I've noticed that like when I start thinking too big, I kind of stop myself, like, because I'm Mm -hmm. afraid of, of that, like blowing up and like losing myself and having, and not having control of it anymore. That's so interesting. And you know what I think is so unique about that is that it's like you're, oh gosh, I had the best quote the other day. I wish I had my notebook next to me, but it was something about if you own your limitations, you'll keep them. Mm-hmm. Like if you focus on the things that are limiting you, they're always going to limit you. You're never going to lose them. And I thought that was such an interesting thought because it was told in the context of somebody being like, I stink at remembering people's names. Well, okay. You're definitely not going to remember people's names now. Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't have any motivation to do it. And so what's so interesting when it comes to business is while some of us fear failure more, there is a good majority of people who are afraid of success. And I think that the fear is not rooted necessarily in success, but it's rooted in the criticism that comes with success, the naysayers that come with success, the competitive factor that comes with it. And also that at some point you're going to peak and then it's only downhill from there. Does that make sense? Oh, definitely makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Because I've never experienced that. I've always just been like balls to the wall, like let's do this. But I also didn't anticipate a lot of the downsides that some of this can bring. And so I think it comes from like which side of the thoughtfulness spectrum you're on. Like if you're so thoughtful and you're almost planning things out in your head prior to doing them versus if you're just like going for it and you'll figure it out after. 
Oh, I'm like the overthinker. I mean, I should put that, you know how you said you should find like the things that are unique yeah. about you. I'm like definitely on the overthinking side of the, of the spectrum. And, and yeah, it's, it's like, cause my logical brain can totally go there and be like, you know, I can do this. I can build this. It'd be so amazing. And then that kind of like that voice that kind of comes in my head at night when I'm tired yeah. and, you know, not feeling as confident is the one that's like, well, what happens if that, if this all happens and will you be able to handle it? And what will that do to your, you know, time with your daughter and all of those things. And I'm definitely holding myself back in that regard, I think. So, you know, what really helped me with that, because in some ways I get it like really intimately is I remember. So when I left my full-time job to do full-time photography, I was 23 and there was so much fear that I would go out and fail and then have to go back into corporate America. And I remember like, was my safety net of like having a degree and having an experience also became this like, like place I never wanted to go back to. Like that would have been my definition of what failure looked like. And what really helps me so much when it came to the mindset was whenever I had fears like that, I would have to sit down and write the fear really big on the piece of paper, like at the top of the page. And then I would write down, okay, so let's say my business fails. What are my next five steps? So it would be update my resume, apply for jobs, interview for jobs, and hopefully get a job. And once I started writing down the action plans, I'm like, okay, this really isn't that scary. Mm -hmm. It was more based on what people would think of me versus what the actual plan was going to be should that happen. So let's say your business were to blow up in a good way. What would that look like? Well, guess what? Maybe you would have enough of a job so that you weren't working two jobs. Maybe you would have enough of an income that you could hire an assistant so you could actually spend more time with your family and kind of like thinking that through in a different way. And I think, again, a lot of times when we have those doubts, they're actually like deep-seated fears that are just way more within us than we like to bring to the surface. And so it's more about like letting other people down or having to tell people that it didn't quite work out. But this fear of success just doesn't even make sense. I know you know that. Like I know mm -hmm. you're smart to know that. But I think it would be a super interesting exercise for you to sit down and say, like, what am I most afraid of? write that down and then just write about like, okay, if that were to happen, I'm a smart woman, like what are my next five steps? And I think that when you have that action plan in place, it's almost like that fear like just shies away because it's like, oh, you could figure this out, <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. I love that so much. I'm actually like totally writing that down right now. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely doing that. I just love that. And I was thinking too, like for people going through this process of healthy eating and living, it's probably like there's some similar factors of, mm -hmm. you know, wanting to change and wanting to have this different kind of life, but that there are like these spheres that you don't necessarily even know are there and being able to just write them out and come up with a backup plan. Oh take my goodness. The power away from and it. So much food and nutrition from like what I have found, especially working alongside of Drew. And I also worked with the nutritious nutritionist last year so much of it is psychological mm -hmm. and the correlation that we've connected with food and you know I was a gymnast and then I was a collegiate diver and then I was a runner and I always just had a terrible relationship with food and it's either been like a punishment or it's been a reward 
And so when I finally was like, all right, like we've got to change, Mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily about what I was eating. It was how I was thinking about it or how I was treating it. And so if you're looking at these fears in your business, you're absolutely right. This is stuff that, you know, if someday you are coaching people on, it's these mental blocks that are keeping you from progress. And the mental blocks don't really exist when you acknowledge them and say, like, I am stronger than them. And so it would be so interesting. And I think, too, so many times, like, the people that are your biggest encouragers or, like, even the messages that I put out there, sometimes I'm the one that needs to hear them. (laughs) Like, Jenna, girl, you're talking to yourself here. Totally. Oh, Oh, I love that. What are you thinking right now? I think you're right on. And, like, it is when you say it out loud, it kind of is – it's less scary, right? Because mm-hmm. you're like, okay. It loses its power, I yes, feel like. Absolutely. That's amazing. Are you a part of like any sort of like groups, whether it's like blogger groups or the Rising Tide Society or anything like that? I've just started following along with the Rising Tide Society this yeah. last January. I think I learned about them from you actually. So thank you. Oh, yes. And then I have a girlfriend who her name's Tasha from the natural nurturer and she and I kind of just box her back and forth like an yeah. unofficial support slash you know blogger support group for each other master or little own mastermind so I've, I've started to be able to kind of connect with people that's actually another thing that is a challenge when you work full-time or when you're not oh, fully gosh. into this world is yep. the isolation and kind of feeling like you're doing all these things and feeling very alone. And as you know, like most of your, well, actually you and Drew are pretty lucky that now you have this in common and you can talk about it. But I know a lot of, a lot of us, and I imagine for you as well, when you go out into the other part of the world, no one knows what you're talking about. (laughs) They're like a blog, a podcast. Like what is that? How do you make money? Right. Yeah. Isn't that funny that that's what people always want to know? Yes. But it is, it's very, it can be very isolating. And so having those connections has been, and to know that like these things that I'm going through are so common that it makes me feel so much better to know that I'm not the only one that's sort of having these doubts and, and being able to have a community of support is really awesome. Well, and I think too, for you, like time is your biggest restraint in a sense, mm-hmm. or your biggest resource that matters the most, because you are working full time from home. You're also doing this blog. You're also a mom. Like how, well, what does that balance look like or lack of balance? If that's more accurate, what does that look like for you? Because when I built my photography business, I was working 50 to 60 hours a week and then going home, responding to emails till late at night, waking up, doing it all over again, working on the weekends. You know, it was crazy. It was really, really hard. Yeah. Well, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do try to maximize the time that I have in the evenings. And I guess the great thing about having a child is that she does not care if I need to do anything. So she really grounds me in that. Like when I come home, I pick her up. That's our time together. And then we make dinner and then she has bath. So it really compartmentalizes things for me. And it's like, because I know I only have a certain amount of time each night, I'm pretty efficient at like knowing what my workflow is kind of back to that beginning of our conversation. It's like, I know I have certain what workflows that fit into those time blocks. And I've kind of figured that out, but kind of, you know, having an editorial calendar and having task lists so that when I have, 
I don't know, it's probably from about 7.30 or 8 until 10, I usually work. And then a lot of times I'll try to do stuff on my lunch hour. Then I usually work on weekends and do as much photography as I can. And just a lot of multitasking, which I actually, it's not the way that I prefer to work, but trying to find, you know, times, like little times throughout the day that I can do the work and knowing what I'm going to do and just kind of hit the ground running when I get there is how I've sort of managed to get by so far. So right now, how are you generating profit through the blog? I know you have your new product. Is that the biggest profit generator? Are you doing collaborations or ads or anything like that? Oh, that's a really interesting conversation. I can't wait to hear what you have to think yeah, about this. Hopefully I have something good. <laughs> yes. So, and again, like the really, my path here was like, I didn't even think of myself as an entrepreneur until like a, a year ago. So I didn't, I really honestly did not know that you could do any of those things until maybe a year in. And yeah. then I started figuring it out and I purposely chosen not to put ads on my site so far. And I really, I've gotten feedback from people that come to the site, primarily my readership is women yeah. who come and say, you know, I just love the clean white space of the, of your site. And it just feels so calming. And I really want it to be a place that's like a little bit of a, you know, time out from your regular day where you can come and just absorb information and feel really good and leave feeling really good. So I've decided at this point not to do ads. And so sometimes I feel like I'm leaving, you know, some of the advice out there is like to take monetization opportunities everywhere you can. So mm-hmm. I'm always kind of thinking like, is that the right decision? And then I do some sponsor posts, but I'm super, super, super picky about them. And I really wanted to establish my content first. And so now I feel pretty confident in the quality of my content that I am looking to work with some more sponsors this year that fit really well into the brand. And so I've started doing that a little bit. And then, yeah, the product that I just launched is called Real Food Fix. And that's just since January. So that's kind of the primary revenue stream at this point. Okay. So I'm first just going to play devil's advocate for one moment and say, Yes, people probably like your aesthetic, but are they paying your bills? <laughs> right. So I think that a lot of times, like I agree, I totally think it's great to not have sidebar ads and stuff like that. But I also think that I would never do ads that are just like pay per click because you're not in control of the content of them. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think that there could be an opportunity based on your readership to pick and choose products or services that would fit really well and go right into your sidebar without taking away from the aesthetic. So you could almost be in control of the imagery or the way that it's displayed and be very strategic there. So if I were, I used to run a wedding blog, a Northwoods wedding, and we ran it for three to four years. We sold it actually, because I just couldn't keep up with it. But we did sidebar ads and generated you know, it wasn't a ton of money. It was maybe like a thousand dollars a month or something for like four ad spots. But then you definitely want to get results for those people too. So you want to make sure that the ads are, you know, exciting, that they're maybe offering something to your readers. But yeah, don't let the fear of like aesthetics hold you back because you can still take control in that. And That would be something that you could create like a little media kit or a media guide 
and then say, here are our numbers, here's our readership, here's how often we're posting. If you go onto my website, there's like a, in the menu, there's something that says like work with me or work with mm-hmm. Jenna or partner with Jenna or something. And it kind of shows you how you could lay out a little media kit. And then you could be the one approaching brands that you really genuinely love and use mm-hmm. and just seeing if it's a organic fit. The second thing is sponsored posts. And I think that that's how a lot of bloggers are actually generating revenue right now. And, you know, I just had this conversation with someone else because I as well am very, very picky. I get pitched stuff every single day. I mean, multiple times a day. And I say no to 99% of it. But every once in a while, there's that 1% of something that I'm already using and loving or something that so organically fits into my feed. It's right. You know, it's a right fit. And so it's so funny because if anyone ever gives me heck for monetizing, say an Instagram post, it's like, first off, if you got the opportunity to make some money and post on your Instagram, you would take it. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you would say yes. And number two, if it's something that I already use and love and that I'd probably share anyways, why the heck not? You know, right. like, I think it's a right, like when we're serving 99% of the time, that 1% we're actually generating profits so we can continue to do what we love. There's absolutely no reason to be apologetic for that at all. Like it is feeding your child, like, you know? (laughs) And so I think that, especially, I mean, you have almost 25,000 followers on Instagram. I'm sure after this episode airs, you'll be really close to that or over it. And so you have something incredible to offer. And Nowadays, if anyone approaches me to do a sponsored post, I have quite a bit of rules. And basically what it looks like is I have to be in control of the imagery. It has to fit my aesthetic. And I have to be able to write what's from my heart about the product. I'm not going to use a pitch. I'm not going to use, you know, their language because it's not going to resonate. It'll be a much more effective ad if I can actually share something organically with people. So how how does that sound? No, I'm I'm totally nodding again. You can't see me. (laughs) Nodding. Yes. And I I was just thinking about what a trailblazer you are actually for a lot of us. And I mean, this is still the wild west in so many ways. And it's hard to know what the right decisions are when things are changing all the time. And like, there's literally no protocol for it. But Mm -hmm. I think what resonated with me that you just said was just about you know, you have a vision, you, mm-hmm. Jenna, have a vision. And I think a lot of us also have visions that we can articulate to brands. And I think that's been my, that's tripping me up. It's kind of like, it's not about control, but it's about being able to maintain the creative vision and then staying true to my voice and to what will really serve the audience versus, you know, a lot of those pitches aren't really serving the audience if they're coming yeah. at it from the brand language. So I really love that direction. And it's something like when you share things on Instagram, I never think it's spammy. I think, you know, first of all, she's been sharing all of this with us all along for free, but also, you know, you do it in such a way that really is very organic and seamless. So I think that those are both really interesting things for me to consider. And I think too, one of the biggest things that nobody knows and nobody talks about, so I'm really glad we're talking about this, is that a lot of us are going after what we want. We're not waiting for people to come around and say, you know, well, can we pay you $500 to post this or 1000 or whatever? We're the ones going after it. Like when Drew and I were planning for Hawaii, I was like, 
what brands do I want to take with me? Like Mm -hmm. what stuff do I love in my everyday life? I am only packing things that I use, that I love. I'm not packing things that I'm going to put on for a photo and then take off a second later. I am bringing things because I'm choosing to bring a suitcase and that's it, you know? And so we reached out to those brands and said, Hey, we love your stuff. I'm going on this trip. This is how many followers I have. I'm not promising you anything, but I would love the opportunity to share this with my people because I love it. And you know how much stuff we got that was stuff that we love, that we value, that we treasure, that we're going to share because we love it, you know? And so it's so funny because I think that whenever we see things happening for other people, we assume that they just happen or Mm. that they were not the ones to do that, to reach out to whatever. And it's not true. It's not true at all. And so if there are things that you find yourself like, you know, even if it's like Tupperware or flatware or you know, certain ingredients or certain spices or reach out to them, tell them what you have to offer them. You have an audience, you have a vision, you have the ability to create beautiful imagery, the ability to share their product more than once. You have something to offer them. And I think so often we belittle that in ourselves and we don't see that, but you, so many brands are looking for beautiful images and it could also just be a really awesome way that you make real food whole life. Like even more profitable this year. Oh, I love that. Like what you just said about reaching out, I think being proactive versus reactive Mm -hmm. is really key for me. And because like I get pitched, you know, every day and most of it, it becomes like a game of just reacting and saying like, oh, most of it's not a good fit. Maybe this is a few things are a good fit. And I feel like I've been putting a lot of energy toward that versus actually creating like, what do I want to do? And who do I want to reach out to and creating the opportunities and being proactive? Yes. And it was so funny. So the other day, I met Rob Deerdeck, who's from the TV show Robin Big on MTV. He's a skateboarder. Anyways, he turns out turns out he is like the most incredible, like brilliant businessman, father, husband, like just an incredible man. And one of the things that resonated with me so much that he said was, he said, if it doesn't bring me energy, I say no. And I think that it really struck me because he had such a clear vision of yes and no. I've never seen somebody more clear. I feel like I'm always hanging out in that gray area of like, well, this could be a really good opportunity or like, I really want to help this person out. And it really gave me this drive to find that clarity and say, what is my biggest goal and is this working towards it or is it hanging me up from it? And I think a lot of times we have a tendency to say yes to those hangups. And we're, when we are doing that, we're actually saying no to the things that will actually move us forward. I think that takes us you know, right back to the beginning of the conversation of those things that you need to be doing that you know you should be doing. And you're choosing things that are filling your time, absolutely. And it's not time wasted. But it's also maybe not getting you to that big picture where you know you're headed, like that place in your gut that you know you're going with your business. Definitely. Yeah. And I love that, like, yes, clear vision of yes or no. Mm -hmm. And like, does it, I think we know that in our guts, like you said, but maybe there's just a lot of ways to justify it or rationalize other things all the time. I'm the queen of that. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I really hope to get there this year or, you know, it's like a process, but this year really focusing on that. 
Perfect. Okay, so let's go over the last question. And you sent these over before, and I think this would be really good to talk to you before we talk about Elizabeth Gilbert and Big Magic and before we sign off. <laughs> um, okay, so you were wondering about exploring the next product or service and perhaps starting a podcast. So when you think of all these opportunities that you have in the different directions you can go, and you also think about your time and how you're spending it nowadays, what excites you the most or what fires you up the most when you think about your business right now? I think, and that's such a good way to put it because there are so many opportunities and so Mm -hmm. many different options. And, you know, I like, I have new ideas every day. Oh yes. We are the idea generators. I know. Can we just come up with ideas do nothing else? But when I think about what's the kind of center point of all the ideas I have, it's really about building an engaged community. And I know that's like very bunch of cliche, but no. I think that there are so many women out there and men, but like, again, most of my community is women mm-hmm. that are feeling alone and that are feeling like they want to make these changes, but they really have a hard time how to do it in their every light, everyday lives. Mm-hmm. And so that's like the cornerstone is that I want to feel connected with them. I want them to feel connected with me. And then to understand those, continue to understand their struggles and to serve them like opportunities to learn and, and to navigate these challenges. So then the question is like, what is the best way to do that? Is it through, I have an idea through writing. Is it okay? Yes, please tell me your idea. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you mentioned that you're focusing on growing your email list and how you kind of shift how you're doing that. So what if when somebody opted in to join your email list right away, the thank you page popped up with a button to a Facebook group. So it said, Hey, awesome. You're in the community. You'll be getting my emails, but I would love to invite you to our bigger community. Now this is just going to be one Facebook group that is open to anyone that's on your email list. And every week you're going to post three different things. You're going to post one. You're going to ask a question one day a week Two, you're going to post a link to the content that you're producing. And then three, you're going to either have some sort of conversation starter or some sort of invitation for people to engage. So we do this in our courses. So we'll say like, one, what's your biggest goal for the week? Or what are you hoping to accomplish for accountability purposes? And then at the end of the week, we'll say like, share your biggest win or like, let's celebrate alongside each other. And you can foster this community in a way that's not going to add a ton of work to your plate because really, if you're just posting in there three times a week, that's great. And you want to create a community so that it's not run by you, but it's a true community where people are meeting and gathering and maybe sharing things about the recipes, giving you feedback, sharing their own recipes. But also it can help generate sales because when people buy your real food fix or if you make another product... They can share about it inside of that group. So it can also be a way that you're driving sales because you can have it, again, as a thank you page. If somebody buys a product, like, thank you so much for buying the Real Food Fix. Go share about it in the group. Like, tell everyone, you know, or, you know, not that salesy, but like, you know, let go comment in the group and let me know you purchased this so that I can follow up with you or something like that. And that social proof alone is going to help increase your sales. Mm-hmm. But it's also going to get people hearing about your products more and more, put you in a situation to serve people a little more authentically and a little more one-on-one. How does that sound? 
I, okay, I'm going to be totally honest yeah. with you because I think it sounds great. And then I'm also going to be very honest about okay. like, what's your, my, this is back to our conversation that we were just having. So I have like this resistance around Facebook groups. Yep. And I like, when you say it, I'm like, that's totally what I should be doing. And then I immediately run into my resistance, which is like, I worry that it's not even, it's like, I don't want to feel like obligated to people that I can't deliver for. I think that's what is my big fear. But what would and you be able to deliver? It's a free community on Facebook. I know. It's you're absolutely like very not obligated <laughs> to deliver anything. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. I, know. I think it's made I've made it a bigger thing in my yeah. mind than it than all it you is. need is a header graphic and a logo photo. That's literally all you have to deliver. Yeah, And you don't even have to show up all that often. So like my podcast group, if anyone wants to join my Gold Digger podcast group, it's facebook.com slash groups slash Gold Digger podcast. And we have like 1500 people in it. And I post when I think about it, but I'm always thinking about these people. But also these people opted in just like an email list in a sense saying, Mm -hmm. I want to know more about the Gold Digger podcast. And yet there are still discussions happening every day without me being in it. So it's not Jenna's group. It's the podcast group. But Uh what the coolest part is, is that you're actually giving people a space to find community. The community that we talked about that sometimes is lacking. Um, But it's also, I mean, it can serve you in so many different ways. Facebook groups. Yes. Like I get so annoyed if I get added to like ones that I didn't join, but you're not doing that. This is after people have opted into your email. And Two, you can survey your audience. You can create polls. You can have them help you make decisions. So even when I go to teach webinars, I'll post like four different topics and people will click which one they like more. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. I almost didn't go in this direction because I thought I knew and I had no idea. There's just so much power in them for so little work and so little return. And you also don't have to battle algorithms with it, which is pretty amazing. Oh, I love that. I mean, really, because I mean, when you say it, like giving people space to find community, then it's mm-hmm. not about me and it's, it's not about me delivering anything. Show. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I think that this kind of this topic about, you know, some of the themes I've been mentioning that I want to focus on, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be, there's so much group wisdom that it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be coming for me, but that definitely helps me to think about it differently. So you're not moderating that group. You're just, you're coming in and you're posting a couple times and then you're popping in when you can, but you yep. don't feel like you have to be. I don't even have notifications turned on for any of my groups. Okay. I have like five groups. So one for each of my courses mm-hmm. and then like a mastermind group and then this. And so the coolest thing about it is like my students all start to help each other out. Like they are yeah. just the cream of the crop. And it builds a sense of community. I mean, I've had students that have never met each other that meet up because they discover they're in the same city. And so there's this common connector. And another thing, too, about Facebook groups that's really cool is that you can go on and do Facebook Live. So mm-hmm. instead of going on to like a big fan page or your personal page, which can be so awkward because you're like, I totally know my college roommate is watching this and my mom. <laughs> the nice thing about inside private groups is you can go on to Facebook Live inside of those and address those people specifically. 
And so it's been really helpful in terms of doing Q and A's or even just like get to know Jenna better. And it's once a month, maybe not even, I mean, there's zero structure around. It's like when I feel like hopping on or I have something exciting to share or I'm launching something and I want people to be a part of it. And so it just is almost like an email list, but it just is an email list with a community in the sense it fosters that community. It connects people together. It gives you another opportunity to serve without the pressure of it. And it gives people a space to share. And I think that you can learn so much inside of those groups from people, what they're liking, what they're not liking, where they're struggling, what their questions are. And you can help address people so much more specifically through that. So I would challenge you to think about that. And then again, added benefits are the social proof when people purchase things. When you have something to launch, you have people to launch it to in a new way. And just the opportunity to maybe humanize yourself a little bit more on your brand. I'm going to do it. I'm totally going to do it. I hope you invite (laughs) me to be in it. I will. (laughs) Absolutely. Anyone that wants to come be in this group. (laughs) You have to join our email list first. (laughs) But I think just like, I love how you just make it seem so much less of a big deal, you know, because it's not a big deal. No, it's not. <laughs> we love to make things big deals. Yes, don't we? yes, I do. But no, I love that. And like, I want to be closer to my people. And mm-hmm. that's such an, an obvious, like low, low stakes kind of way to do it. So I Good. love that. Good. Awesome. Okay. In closing, we are both, um, before we hopped on the episode, we talked a little bit about Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic. So tell me what your favorite part of the book is because guys, if you haven't read it, Elizabeth Gilbert also wrote Eat, Pray, Love, which is also just an awesome book. She said she seems like such a remarkable woman, but Big Magic is such a great, great book. If you are somebody that struggles with creativity, if you consider yourself a creative, if you have so many ideas and you don't know what to do with them. So tell me a few of like the things those gold nuggets of wisdom that have really stuck out with you in that book. Well, and I first picked it up. I don't even know why I picked it up, but it's fairly different than most of her other mm-hmm. books. And the subtitles, it's Big Magic Creative Living Beyond Fear. And so I think that definitely kind of piqued my interest. And the first part of the book that I love is just really helping you acknowledge that you are a creative person. And it's so funny because it's like one of these stories that I've told myself my whole life that I'm not creative. And this is like two years into the blog when I'm like taking food pictures every week. And but and Jenna, I listened to that podcast that you did the other day about and how you said you're not, you know, creative at photography because you look at what other people are doing and are able to recreate that. But like, mm-hmm. that's such a creative ability to be able to study and like identify things that are working and then recreate it. But it's like, it doesn't fit into the box that you think is what creativity means. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so I think just owning that and like, I've like forced myself to say like, I'm a creative person. You know? and yeah. So that's been really helpful to me. And some of the other of my favorite quotes are, let me see if I can find them. So one is frustration is not an interruption of your process. Frustration is the process. Mm-hmm. And I think that that really helps me when I'm going through and thinking, you know, somehow I'm trying, I should be able to do this all and not get frustrated. But like creativity is the process of being frustrated and like finding, finding what comes of that. So I love that so much. 
Another thing is do it whether the final product is crap or gold. Do it whether the critics love you or hate you, or whether the critics have never heard of you and perhaps never will. Do it whether people get it or don't get it. And I've been like reading that to myself lately because, you know, right, like doing this writing and kind of branching out, it's really having to think like, I'm going to do this because I really love doing it and I want to share this and it's not going to be, the outcome is unknown, you know, I love that. do it. And then the last one is don't quit when things get interesting. As soon as things aren't easy anymore, as soon as it gets painful or boring or agitating, don't quit when you see something scary or hurtful. If you do, you'll miss the good part, the world part, the transformative part, the part where you push past the difficulty and enter into something raw, new, unexplored. And I just, you know, I totally have to read that to myself all the time to remind myself that this is like why we're doing it. And, and so, yeah, it's such a great resource. Well, and I just want to encourage you to like, especially in the blogging world, I feel like the journey... It just continues to evolve, even though your blog itself doesn't feel like it's evolving. And so I think it's more the process behind it, the heart behind it, the vision, the mission that are changing more than the actual visual of the blog itself. And so while the aesthetics might stay the same and the cleanness and the beauty and the design might stay the same, I think that you're feeling this tug to share your heart more and to share your story. And I would love to challenge you to think about it as a way to preserve your legacy for your daughter and as a means to tell a story that maybe just maybe someday she'll go back and read. And while of course you want to pass down your recipes and you want to share all of your incredible like nutrition information, there's so much of your life that's happening right now that you are going to be so glad you documented and that you shared. And I also just know in my heart of hearts that people are going to fall for you even harder when you actually get out there and do that stuff. So I really am looking forward to watching your brand grow and evolve with this new vision. And, you know, even if it's just baby steps, you're still moving forward. And I just, I think that you are on the cusp of so many things and hopefully I just pushed you off the ledge. (laughs) I think you did. You totally did. This was so amazing. Thank you. Yeah. So where can everybody find you? Because that's so important. Where can everyone find you online? So realfoodwholelife.com. And then I'm Real Food Whole Life on all the social channels, but I'm definitely fondest of Instagram. So come say hi. Yes. Yes, (laughs) Please go say hi to Robin. And just thank you so much for your honesty and your vulnerability and in sharing, you know, some of the harder stuff. And I think that, you know, this was such an incredible, I mean, it wasn't the conversation I think either of us were expecting, not in a bad way, but I think that it got to probably the most important things in your business, you know, not what product or what to create next, but how to foster a community and how to create a legacy and how to really share and connect in a deeper way, which is kind of awesome. Absolutely. So awesome. Thank you so much, Jenna. Oh my gosh. Thank you. And guys, if you want to apply and be coached by yours truly, we are doing this once a month. And you can go access any of the information. We have it in the show notes. And you can also check it out at bit.ly slash GDP coaching. So again, that's bit.ly slash GDP coaching. You can apply to be coached by me 
live on the podcast. And Robin, thank you so much. Everyone go check her out. She makes some really beautiful recipes, but also the best part is, is that it's under 30 minutes in one pan with 10 ingredients or fewer. And I think that is something that all of us busy entrepreneurs can get behind. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. You gold digging dream chaser, you.